The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Next on Life Today, author, teacher, and speaker Anne Graham Lotz challenges you to pray in a way that moves heaven and changes nations. It's when you're attacked in San Bernardino, when you see the attack in Paris or Brussels and you wonder, is it coming here? It's when you see the trade towers come down. It's when you see, you know, your child picked up for drugs or your unmarried teenage daughter come home pregnant. Or this last summer, when I found my husband unresponsive in the pool, I can tell you, I prayed a Daniel prayer. Today. My name is Sheila Walsh. James and Betty will be back with you soon, but I have the awesome privilege of, of being on this program today. Well, let me just tell you a couple of things about my guest. Her father, uh, Billy Graham, has called my guest the best preacher in the family. The New York Times named her one of five of the most influential evangelicals of her generation. Pretty amazing. Her Just Give Me Jesus revivals have been held in more than 30 cities, 12 different countries, to hundreds of thousands of attendees. But this new book, The Daniel Prayer, Prayer That Moves Heaven and Changes Nations, I believe, by God's grace and mercy, could have the potential to impact the future of our nation. Would you please welcome my guest today, Anne Graham Lotz. I, I got hold of the book um, a few days ago, and sometimes I just skim if I have a few guests and I don't, but the minute I started this book, I had such an urgency in my spirit that this was something that really mattered. It was important. But as I thought about your life over the last couple of years, you've had a lot of stresses, a lot of things going on. What compelled you to write this book at this time? You know, this book has been in my heart of the Daniel prayer, which is Daniel chapter 9, has been in my heart for 15 years, Sheila. And, um, and for some reason, you know, just in God's sovereignty, um, he put it on my heart in the last couple of years. And, and so what had been sort of percolating for 15 years just came out. And I felt when I look at our nation, we're in a mess where just every side we're in trouble and at every level. And I believe it's beyond human help. I don't believe any one person can resolve it. And I believe it's time for God's people to get really serious about prayer. But you know, I think a lot of people want to, they don't know how, and they don't, and they feel shy about it. So we go to prayer events, or we go to you know concerts of prayer, and we let other people you know, pray for two minutes here and two minutes there. And, it, and we don't know how to enter into that serious prayer ourselves. And the Daniel prayer, you know, I wrote it um, just following the pattern that Daniel uses in chapter 9. So it's a pattern that we can follow. And it's something anybody can do. I just shared it with a friend. And she said, Anne, I, I finished reading. She said, I can do this. Wow. You know, it's, it's not something that's lofty or super spiritual or up there. It's yeah. practical how to. And it just leads you into deep, serious prayer. For those who maybe don't have the context of, of what 
was happening in the life of Daniel. Would you just give us a little background as to when Daniel prayed this yes, prayer? Yes, yes, thank you. He was an amazing man. He lived in Jerusalem, and when he was maybe 14 or 15, God had been warning uh, Judah that he was going to judge them if they didn't repent of their sin. Instead, they became more defiant. So God, it says in Chronicles, he turned on them and became their enemy, and he sent in the Babylonians. So it, it was a 22-year process, Sheila, so it wasn't quick. It was 22 years, but from the first time that Babylonians attacked, Daniel was captured. And he was taken 800 miles east as a prisoner in Babylon in that first what we call deportation. And he was stripped of his masculinity. His uh, immediate superior was the chief of the eunuchs. And his name was changed. He was forced, or they tried to force him to eat food you know, sacrifice to idols, which meant that he would give tribute to these idols. He refused on that. He, he couldn't change, you know, couldn't help his name change and what they did to his physical body, but he wasn't going to give tribute to the gods. So anyway, God honored that decision and God raised him up so that under, you know, uh, four emperors and, and four world empires, he became uh, the number two man. And just because he was faithful to God, God honored him. But he was reading the book of Jeremiah and after he'd been in captivity 67 years, so he's in his mid-80s, and he'd, he was reading the book of Jeremiah, and he came across a promise that I'm assuming was in Jeremiah chapter 29, that where God said, after 70 years, I'll bring you back from captivity, because I know the plans I have for you, I, plans to give you hope and a future, but you have to seek me with all of your heart. And Daniel read that, and I can just see the light bulbs going on, thinking, I've been here 67 years, in three more years, we're supposed to get out of here, who's claiming that promise? And he got on his face with prayer and fasting and sackcloth and ashes, and he prayed God's word back to him. He just reversed the thunder and, and held God to his word. Um, so that's the context, and I'll have to tell you the end of the story, in a sense, three years later, God moved in the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia. He issued an edict out of the clear blue and said all of God's people would go back to Jerusalem. As a direct result of the fervent, of intentional That's prayer right. of a godly man That's who would right. not bend the That's knee. That's right. Heaven was moved and, and two nations were changed, the Persia or the Persian Empire and also Judah. Where do you see us as a nation at this moment, Anne? I believe our nation is um, possibly coming under what we would think of as a Romans 1 judgment. When we sin and refuse to repent of our sin, God backs away. And then if we continue to you know, sin and refuse to repent, he backs away further and we get more defiant and more rebellious and uh, shake our fist in his face, he backs away further until, in a sense, we're abandoned by God. And at any point, you could turn to him. You know, you could repent of your sin. In fact, that's why he took 22 years to send the Babylonians in to totally wipe out Jerusalem, because I think he was waiting for them to turn to him. If they had turned to him and said, God, we're sorry, we repent of our sin, please, you know, protect us from the Babylonians, I believe he would have. I believe right now, if our nation would get on their face, if God's people right. would get on their face before right. God and just tell, say, God, we're sorry for our sin, you know, we repent of our sin, and would you come and would you forgive us and heal our land? I believe God would, but I, I see our nation and even people, you know, Sheila, can I just say within the church, Absolutely. generally speaking, across the board, I know there's some great churches, but they're, generally speaking, the church itself has lost its focus and we've left our foundation of faith in God's word. And so we're abandoning God and I believe he's abandoning us. And when that, when he does that, what happens, he just backs away. And I think with tears coming down his face, because he doesn't want any to come under judgment. He wants all to come to repentance. But he backs away and he removes his hand of protection and his hand of blessing and his hand of favor. 
and and he doesn't want to do that because he knows what happens when he backs away, but he's not going to force himself on a nation. And right now, our nation is uh, becoming, you know, Romans 1, he gave them over to themselves, and they had a reprobate mind. They couldn't think straight. They did silly things. They were just... It was like they lost their common sense. That's terrifying. And I look at our nation today, and it's and it's right there. You know, we've just he's he's turned us over to ourselves, and um, but can uh, you know reverse reversing the thunder? Second Chronicles seven fourteen. God, you said, if your people would humble themselves and pray and seek your face and turn from our wicked ways, God, you said you would hear our prayer, you'd forgive our sin and heal our land. So God, keep your word. You know, so. it's really interesting, and sometimes you know social media can be a good thing and can be a very negative thing. Yeah. But I've noticed even sometimes like on Facebook and places where believers are arguing about who's going to end up in the White House. Yeah. And I find it kind of horrifying at how, you know, angry people can yeah. get as opposed to thinking no matter who ends yeah. up in the White yeah. House, yeah. that will never be our hope. Yes, that's right. Our hope is at yes. the throne yes. of grace yes. and mercy. Yeah. Our Absolute. hope is in Christ Amen. alone. You know, and if, we're, if we are under the judgment of God, if he is backing away and he's abandoning us, then there's no politician, there's no economic reform, there's no uh, anything we can, no military, no education, nothing that would resolve the problem, only repentance of sin and turning to God. Joel chapter 2 says if you would rend your heart and not your garment. Stop giving this lip service and just, you know, platitudes. If you truly rend your heart and return to me, then Joel 2 says that who knows but that God would return to us. You know, he would come back and he would bless us and, uh, and save us from ourselves. So. I'm wondering what your perspective is on the fact that God's Word has made it very clear that if we do that, mm -hmm. that He yes. will respond. Yes. Why we are the way we are. Yes. It's almost like we are in this kind of slumber. Yes. Or yes. I, I don't know if it's that we can't be yes. bothered. Or maybe people don't believe yes. that their prayers will make yes. a difference. You know, I don't know. Um, uh, and I don't think people are going to know their prayers will make a difference until they pray. And so, and pray the Daniel prayer, not just a uh, now I lay me down to sleep kind of prayer, but a prayer of desperation. And the thing about the Daniel prayer is that, um, yeah, I don't know that you can pray it every day average. It's when you're desperate. It's, it's when you're attacked in San Bernardino, when you see the attack in Paris or Brussels and you wonder, is it coming here? It's when you see the trade towers come down. It's when you see you know, your child picked up for drugs or your unmarried teenage daughter come home pregnant or this last summer when I found my husband unresponsive in the pool. I can tell you, I prayed a Daniel prayer. You know, it doesn't have to be. It's not, not the word. It's a cry of your heart. It's like a heart scream almost. Oh. And, um, and God responds. So he doesn't change his mind. He responds to our plea. You know, he, he's a tender, loving father to his children, and he wants us to cry out to him, and he wants to answer our prayers. One of the things that surprised me about your book, because I, I read it all, and uh, honestly, and this says more about me than anything else, I was a little intimidated initially mm -hmm. because I've always felt I'm not that great a prayer, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I felt like your friend. Yeah, when yeah. I got to the end of it, I thought, I can do this. Yeah. Oh, because you yeah. give such... Plus, you're very honest, mm -hmm. Anne. But you don't see yourself as a great no. prayer warrior. I, I never have, Sheila. Prayer has always been a fight for me. I've struggled with content. I've struggled with consistency. I've struggled with concentrating. You know, as soon as I start to pray, I think about just everybody, everything else except what I'm supposed to pray about. And so that's a battle. And, and the victory for me is that I haven't given up yet. You know, I still pray. But I think, um, so God, you know, I'm not what I consider a prayer warrior. I think some people are called to intercede, and I believe they're almost gifted in that yeah, kind of yeah. prayer. And I'm not, but I know it's time to pray. And I know I'm commanded to pray, and I know 
you know, God has given us access into that most holy place through the blood of Jesus. He's given us the Holy Spirit. So if we don't say the right words, the Holy Spirit will help us. He's given us his word that we can pray back to him. And I think it's time we got serious about prayer. I do too. I love the fact that you, I mean, you're using the, Daniel's pattern, but that he had a place that he went to yeah. three times yeah. a day. Yeah. Do you have that in yeah. your own life? You know, I do. And I, I have to say, I don't go there three times a day, <laughs> but, uh, but I have a particular place in my home where I have my Bible that I don't travel with. It's my devotional Bible. And I have a pair of glasses. I have a pen and a pencil. I have a pad of paper. I have some devotional materials. And I have a little volume called The Daily Light, which is just a compilation of scripture morning and evening. And I start by reading that and then just see if God's word will trigger something because God has things on his heart that he wants me to pray about. So it's not just coming to God and giving him a prayer list. You know, it's, I mean, we can do that. But, but I believe God has things on his heart that he wants to impart to ours so that we ask him what he's wanting to give us, you know. So, so I, I start with his word and then I talk to him and then I go through the scripture and just spend time. And so that's a particular set aside place. Daniel had an upstairs room. And so he was a prime minister. He went there three times a day. He opened the window towards Jerusalem that didn't even exist anymore, got down on his knees and he gave thanks. That was maybe one of the most convicting things in the Daniel prayer or in his life to me because if, if he had been emasculated and he was a slave, he was a slave all of his life. He never got to go back to Jerusalem because he was too old to travel at that point that he could go back. And so, and he was a slave. He was, you know, um, a servant of these wicked pagan kings. And three times a day, he got on his knees and gave thanks to God. And um, such a powerful man of faith and prayer and integrity and, um, you know, he's one I'm looking forward to meeting when I get to glory. So. You know, when, when you and I were sitting and chatting together, you said something I hadn't even thought about. He had this level and commitment to pray, but that was before the coming of the Holy yes. Spirit. He didn't have, he didn't, Christ hadn't come. There was no, no he didn't yeah. have the New Testament. Yeah, he didn't he have just, the canon of scripture. Yeah. And he had Jeremiah, obviously, and, uh, you know, the book of Jeremiah. And he, so, so there was so much that he didn't have and we have so much, but look what he did with what God gave him. And uh, I, I was regretting with somebody that my husband, he was always one of the first ones to read my books. And he moved to glory, moved to heaven before he had a chance to read the Daniel prayer. And somebody said, well, Ann, it doesn't matter because he's up there talking to Daniel, making sure you got it right, you know? <laughs> yeah, what do you think of my yeah, wife's yeah. new book, Daniel? <laughs> what would you so, say to Ann to somebody who thinks, you know, I've prayed and prayed in situations before and God didn't answer? Mm. What would you say when they're discouraged yeah. in their praying? Um, that's one of the hardest things. I have some prayers on my list like that. And I can tell you they can really rattle your faith. And, um, and Daniel, uh, end the book with an epilogue that's based on Daniel chapter 10. Because right after Daniel prays what I call the Daniel prayer, and God answers even while he's still praying. In Daniel chapter 10, he prays and God doesn't answer. Mm -hmm. And so he goes three weeks just in agony and um, until finally when the answer comes, it, it's revealed that there's been a huge battle in the heavenlies that has prevented the answer from coming. And so I think when we, we need to be aware when we pray, we're entering into a spiritual realm. We're entering into warfare and um, it's not just about us, you know, and so I think God, a lot of it has to do with timing and I've seen God do things uh, that I wanted done now. And then years later, he's answered, but in a way I never would have expected. It's not what, it's not the way I prayed, but he went 
and, and answered my heart's desire. Habakkuk is a good example. When he started out praying that God would uh, punish his nation because they were so wicked, and then God said, well, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do, but you won't believe it. I'm going to send in the Babylonians, and Habakkuk said, oh, no, don't do that. You know, and, <laughs> and then in the end, he let go his prayer, and he said, if the fig tree never blossoms, if there are no cattle in the stall, you know, if there are no figs on the vine, I, I will still praise the Lord. I, I will... Um, Rejoice in the sovereign Lord who gives me feet like a hind's feet to walk on high places so I can triumph over the circumstances. And, and there's some prayer, Sheila, we just have to let go. You know, we just can't. I mean, if God doesn't answer the way we want, when we want, how we want, we keep praying and, and ask God to give you a promise about whatever that is. And then you pray it back to him. So you reverse the thunder. If he still doesn't answer, you continue to pray until you have the assurance he's heard. And then you just let it go. I love that. Reverse the thunder. It's not yeah. powerful. That's Eugene Peterson's phrase. Yeah, well, let me just credit. read this tiny little, just this paragraph to you. This, if this doesn't make you want to go out and buy this book, check your pulse. <laughs> One day... You and I will join with millions upon millions of angels and other followers of Jesus singing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. One day, the entire universe will rock in a victory chant of praise to the Lamb who was slain, who has won the victory over all his enemies. One day, we're going to say that every moment we spent in prayer that God used to achieve victory for the glory of his name was worth, worth it. it. Amen. Isn't that Amen. just the most amazing? But that is so exciting to me to think we have the privilege yeah. of, and I, the other thing I love about the Daniel prayer, yeah. it was all about the glory of his yes. name. Yes, that's right. He never said it was about, don't do it because we're worth it, yeah, Lord. It was right. never. It yeah. was the glory of his name. And he prayed not, we don't want to go home just because we're homesick. We don't want to get well just because we're tired of being sick. We don't want our finances resolved just because we're tired of, you know, uh, trying to meet our budget. We, we want this answer to prayer for the glory of your name. So when people see you answer this prayer, that they'll know there's a God in heaven, you know, wow. and give glory to you. It's, it's a big difference in the motivation for your prayer. Yeah, because I think sometimes our society sees us as just angry mm. at mm. things that we don't approve of, as opposed to seeing us weeping yeah. on yeah. our knees yeah. for a nation that yeah. so desperately needs yeah. the Lord. That's right. And... I'm just, I'm so profoundly grateful for Anne's book. And I'm going to tell you um, just in a little bit how you can get hold of it. Because I really believe, I mean, I don't say this very often, although I love books, I love reading. I believe every believer should read this book. Because I think if we took this seriously, if we began to plan daily, into, this is something that we believe we have a divine appointment. And we could see God have mercy on this nation one more time. But there's some people in the world at the moment who are crying out for mercy in kind of a different way. There are people who simply cannot even provide enough food for their children or enough um, liquid to be able for that child to able be able to see their mother's face. Would you watch this?
she's so thin. But she's so dehydrated. And her eyes roll up in the top of her head. No, this breaks the mama's heart to see her little girl get like this. Malnutrition is so cruel to these little children. This mama needs our help. I've been sitting here praying for her. I've been saying Jesus' name. It's a powerful name over her. But he wants us to reach out to them. And I know that I'm just in one clinic, one little clinic, and there's so many thousands like this that need our help. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. We need to save these children's lives. That should never happen. In this day and age, with everything that we have, with all the resources we have, no mother should ever have to sit with her baby sitting on her lap whose eyes are rolled back simply because they're so dehydrated. That was our darling Jeannie Rogers in there. Um, Jeannie and I are going back to Angola soon. But the thing is, if we do something now, the children that we help are not going to get to that stage. See, we're going to minister to those children that are already there, that are in the hospital, that are desperate, and we're going to take them food, and we're going to make sure they get proper hydration so that they're able to recover. But the other thing that we want to do is, this year we want to feed 400,000 children, and I want to get to them before they get to that stage. Because as a mom, how helpless would you feel? I mean, everything within you, every single instinct within you is to provide for your child, to make sure that they're strong. And that, how does that little one even sleep at night? And how does that mom sleep at night? I love the fact that Jeannie was there praying over them, because that's what we do when we go there. We don't just provide food and water, but we have a chance to worship with these people too and to pray over them. But I imagine a mom like that sitting there praying, God, if you see me in this barren land, will you please send help? And so here we are. It's us. We're God's guys and girls. We get to rise to the occasion and do something. And it takes so little. Do you know that if you simply give a gift today of $30, you will feed three little ones like that for three months for $30. If you give $100, you'll help feed 10 children for three months. Some of you have been blessed with more resources, which I always think is such a gift because you're able, the more that God gives you, the more you can give back. And so for $1,400, you can help sponsor a whole school, feed every child in that school for three months. And you know, sometimes it's the way we get these little children to come to school because they're weak and they're not motivated but they hear, well, there's gonna be a meal if I go to school. So they go to school, they get a meal, they get to learn, it changes their destiny. We have been talking today about living your destiny, never about us. It's all about those children. So if God has really blessed you, then for 5,600, we can actually feed that whole school, all the children for a whole year. You know, this life will be over like that. I want to make sure these kids come with us, that we all get to stand and worship around the throne. So please call that number. Call now. Go online, lifetoday.org. Get the best gift.
gift that you possibly can. In remote and impoverished areas of Africa, families are suffering, facing death by starvation, and those hit the hardest are the children. Life's Mission Feeding Program is there, ready to feed and care for these children in crisis areas of Angola, Mozambique, and Sudan. With all of our previous reserves gone and Southern Africa facing its worst drought and food shortage in years, we urgently need to replenish our food supplies to reach 400,000 children counting on us. Your life-saving gift of $30, $50, or $100 will help feed and care for three, five, or 10 children for the next three months. Please also consider a special gift of $1,400 to help sponsor a school and help feed 140 children for three full months. With your gift of any amount, we'll send you the brand new audio series, Living Your Destiny. Hear five outstanding Bible teachers and women of faith share how to live the life God destined for you. With your gift of $100 or more, you'll also receive The Longing in Me by Sheila Walsh and Unashamed by Christine Kane. And finally, with your gift of $1,000 or more, be sure to request Majesty, our 2016 commemorative bronze sculpture. Please call, write, or go online today and make your gift of life to help feed and care for hungry children. Why don't you help give these children a future? Why don't every one of you, and some of you on fixed income, and you know what? You'll likely be the first one to respond. I want it to be where every single person watching me coming to you from Southern Africa, a place in Mozambique that was absolutely hopeless during the war, but we were here all through the war feeding, beginning 20 years ago. Now they're in school. They need a future. I'm asking that every person in every country around the world you're watching today to give children like this a future, not just save them from death because we're going to do that in crisis areas, but we're going to give them the nutrition to learn. They want to learn. They're here at school. We're going to give them the support so they've got a bright future. Would you right now go to the phone or go online and respond and make the best gift you can possibly make? Please do it. Don't turn away. Do what you can to help. This is Anne's book, The Daniel Prayer. It literally could change our nation. We will send that to you as well, because just as you give, we want to bless you back. And will you please help me thank our guest, mm -hmm. Anne Graham Lotz. Yeah, thank you. Sheila. What a gift you are to the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for being with us. Please call and please help us feed the children. We love you. We'll see you next time.
In his new book, The Stream, James Robison charts a clear path to personal revival and spiritual revolution in our culture, values, morals, and in government. Reverend Samuel Rodriguez says The Stream is a Christ-centered, Bible-based prescription for these troubled times. Dr. Ben Carson says this important book points out many ways that we can use our lives to preserve those freedoms that made America great. The Stream, available now online and at retail bookstores. I was clinically dead for 45 minutes. Next week, the miraculous story of God's healing power as Peter Pretorius faced less than a 1% chance of surviving. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.